I'm Jeff Cohen. I recently had the privilege of meeting Rabbi Ruvain Boshnak at a Shabbatoni organized in Fairlawn, New Jersey for 50-plus Yeshiva University students. Watching how he navigated Shabbos with so many students, I was surprised to find out he didn't grow up religious. Naturally, I asked him to share his story with us. Rabbi Bashnak, welcome to Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you so much, Chef. It's great to be here. I actually always have wanted to be on a podcast, so. All right, dreams do come true. We're making this happen for oh, you yeah, today. Oh, it all came out of Fairlawn. And actually, meeting you in Fairlawn, it really sunk in for me, this idea of don't judge a book by its cover, because I was watching you work with all these kids, and they're all looking to you to help them navigate the Shabbos. And the last thing I'm thinking is, this guy had to figure it out for himself before he could help other people. Yeah, it's... Uh... It had been a journey. You know, I, I grew up in, in Long Island in, in a strong conservative home. There were you know, a lot of pieces that we shared, you know, between the, the Orthodox world and the conservative world. But then there were things that, that were different. I had gone to Camp Ramah. I learned to, to read Hebrew. You know, and even in Camp Ramah, they, even, they, they start to teach you a little bit of Hebrew. If, and one of, one of the running jokes was everything was always in the infinitive. <laughs> you know, I'm... Uh, so I'm not like a, a, an English grammar person, but I know infinitives. And uh, everything was always in the infinitive because it's easier than conjugating things. So tell me a little more about the early years. You talked about a conservative upbringing, but it seems like you had some exposure to Orthodox Judaism. So what was going on inside your home and inside your community so we get a sense of where your journey really begins? Sure. As it were, I was a U.S. wire, uh, a member of United Synagogue Youth and a Romanic, for those who understand what a Romanic is, person who attended Camp Ramah in the Berkshires in 1992. We uh, completed our, our trip through Ramah. You know, the shul uh, was always a, a big part in, in our house. My grandfather had been the president of the New Hyde Park Jewish Center, the, the synagogue that he went to in, in New Hyde Park on the North Shore of New York. We lived on the South Shore, Oceanside, New York. And we had always been part of it. We went to Hebrew school. Unlike a lot of people there, we were we were regulars. We, we were there every Shabbos, Friday night. There was always a Friday night dinner. The house always was turned over for Pesach. We built a sukkah. And it was uh, some of the finer points of observance. Though those were the things that, that, that we didn't necessarily have. The idea of long-term Torah study was something that was not something that, that we'd even heard of. It wasn't a you know, concept. If you want to learn, you know, maybe you become a rabbi. So I, I, I like learning about Judaism. It was a part of our, of our lives in a, in a way that it wasn't. I went to public school, yet we kept kosher, you know, even for the most part outside the house, the occasional pizza. But besides that, you know, no, no Fleischig's, no Burger King, no, no McDonald's. Pizza was okay. I, I don't understand the cheshman, but pizza was okay. <laughs> But there was a large portion of the, you know, the, the, the rules of, of what, what we did, you know. So what we did was uh, we ate kosher. We ate kosher in, in, in and outside of the house. We, you know, Shabbos was that you, you know, that you didn't write. So I'm listening to the way that you're setting up the beginning of your story. And clearly you were a lot further along than someone who maybe went to shul once a year or really didn't have any family customs. But you're also not fully orthodox. You're doing a nice job of laying out these distinctions between things you were doing or not doing. Did you understand during those early years what level your family was and that there was more you could be doing? Or did you just view it as this is what my family does and this is what I'm used to? Uh, until I, I think high school, maybe middle school, this is you know, this is what you do. You, there's a Calvin and Hobbes comic where Calvin says to Hobbes, you know, person's world of experience is very limited. They grow up with what they grow up with, and the, you know whatever their parents do, that's considered normal. And of course, the dad bursts in and says, 
unbelievable. I love the crazy hedonism of the weekends. It was a 20-mile run in the slush and in the cold and out for a big bowl of plain oatmeal. And then Hobbs looks at Calvin <laughs> and says, I think we'd know normal if we saw it. <laughs> so that was our world. We would take off on Chomoy Tsukas. We wouldn't go to school in elementary school and in high school. We would schedule our SATs. It was a big movement within the conservative movement for, you know, you do what you do, but you don't take a test on Chavez. You know, you do what you do, mm-hmm. but you, you don't go to school on Yantif. Why? Because it's a, it's a statement. It's a statement. We live in a free country, and we can uh, we can express our, our Judaism even if you're doing malach at home. But it doesn't make a difference. That this is the point. Looking back on it, I really hadn't realized how Jewishly rich we we really were compared to many many other people out there. You know, we would always compare it to okay, well, what we're not doing. But then you flip it on the other end. Is look at all the things that we were doing in terms of giving it like a positive character. Is a lot. Now you also said this idea that when you're growing up, you kind of follow your family, you're not necessarily thinking about what they're doing and how you feel about it. And then you hit an age where you start saying, wait a minute, you know, what do I want to do for myself? So do you remember when you started to have that transition about thinking, what was Judaism going to mean in your life? Was there a particular moment or a particular time period where you started having your own thoughts about where your journey would go? So in Camp Ramah, one of the things that we did was that there was no public Chil Shabbos. You know, if you wanted a flashlight, you wanted a headphones, whatever, you, you didn't do it in the bunk. That Shabbos that had a, a certain Shabbos dik feeling, and the the understanding that well, while we at home would watch TV on Shabbos or played computer games on Shabbos or whatever, to, to you know, there, there's something to that, you know, that now that we're talking about it nowadays, that that great electronic disconnect, which is one of the biggest selling points nowadays. The world wasn't so crazy with all uh, all of the gadgets then. You know, you really had to know something to know how to turn on a computer. But now, like that powerful disconnect, even then, I had this feeling this disconnect was strong. As it was practiced in USYN and Ramah, that you no, know, you, you walk to Shul on Shabbos. And until I, I had the gumption really to do it, wasn't until I think my junior year, maybe my senior year in high school, when already I started to get involved with NTSY. So I would walk to Shul. I would walk to the conservative synagogue. And the thought was is that already I was very interested in Jewish education. It was starting to become, uh, you know, pretty clear that I was going to be in, in psychology or I was going to be in a conservative rabbi. It wasn't until really when I got started to become involved in NCSY in 11th grade where things took off in, in much more of a major way. I, I went to a Shabbaton in NCSY and was really just unbelievably struck by Havdalah at NCSY. This feeling of connectedness, the songs, the candles. I mean, we'd had Havdalah at Camp Ramah, we didn't say Havdalah in my house. They said Havdalah at, Havdala at Camp Ramah, which they sang nice songs, but um, oftentimes it was, uh, you know, it was Havdalah to the tune of something from Billy Joel or something from uh, This is the Time to Remember or like, and this Havdalah was just unbelievably inspiring, which of course, you know, brought me to a very big crisis in terms of my affiliations. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to, J- to Columbia, to JTS. I'm going to go to YU. What am I going to do? I want to go back for a second just to the Shabbaton you were at, where you mentioned how inspired you were and you felt this question, I guess, percolating in your mind, who are you going to be? And you made that really specific by just saying Columbia or YU. So were you literally in that moment, I'm picturing you as a junior or senior in high school, thinking about where you want to go to school. Were you viewing that as YU is the all-in orthodox decision, Columbia is the carrying on how I've been living decision? 
take us inside that feeling. And I'm asking because this has become a major thing right now with what's going on with Hamas and the colleges around the country of people questioning, should they be in secular colleges or should they be at places like YU, given all the anti-Semitism? I know that wasn't the issue at the time you were making the decision, but I really want to know what you were thinking about those two colleges at the time. Well, it was Columbia JTS. It was, uh, you were in Columbia and the conservative movement's List College. Uh, I guess they're parallel to YU. So it was an undergraduate study coupled. They didn't have their own professors of secular subjects or general study subjects. That was in Columbia. And you would take a couple of religious studies courses at the seminary in their their undergraduate program. Because a seminary is is a graduate institution. So they had an undergraduate cohort. That was called the List College. And I had acceptances from both of these colleges already. The question was really like, where are we going? You you could take one or two courses in the List College and then take a a load in Columbia versus you take a full program in the morning of Judaic studies and then uh, a full general studies program in the afternoon. So I really wanted to dive in and learn learn more Torah, to understand more about this Torah, this Yiddishkeit, this Judaism. Up until that point, I checked all the boxes in terms of conservative uh, affiliation. That, that was a big part of who we were, what we did. It's crossing denominational lines. I didn't put it like that, but it, you're, you're leaving the Mets for the Yankees. Like, it was a very, very laden, very, very laden choice for me. And uh, the Havdalah piece really shook things up because I know I didn't feel like that at Havdalah at USY, even with all my friends. So what did you ultimately decide to do? You seem like you're at this real crossroads of who you're going to be, how you want to grow in your education, in terms of your Judaism. So how do you make that decision? Where do you go? What do you study? Like, how do you get to closure on what your next step is going to be? It became very, very clear to me, like, the direction I need to take is to Yeshiva University. It's been great, but I'm going elsewhere. Now, did you view that decision to go to YU as a joint decision to move into Orthodox Judaism? Is that the same time you start keeping Shabbos more fully? Like, do you come to YU thinking, I'm going to now, for the first time, try to do everything on the list to be an Orthodox Jew? Yeah, that's when I was already trying to, to start attending the Young Israel and went away for Shabbos a lot to friends of mine where the NCSY chapter was. The NCSY chapter wasn't in Oceanside. It was in Long Beach, across the bridge, about uh, 15 minutes away. So it's been a lot of Shabbos was in Long Beach doing Shabbos with a, with a whole chavro of guys, guys and gals. So I can clearly see how personally you're pushing yourself in Judaism. But from what I know about your background, you also now professionally decide that this is going to be a huge part of your life. And you didn't necessarily have to do both. You could have just said, I'm going to go deeper personally in Judaism, but I'm going to have a, quote, regular job. Is it during your time at YU that you start thinking, my whole life is going to really revolve around this? Once I, I really started to get into learning at YU, I really felt the need to share Torah, to express Torah, to work as an NTSY advisor, because I, I was a, a veteran in youth groups. I, I knew youth groups, that's for sure. I knew youth groups. I was a counselor in, in, in day camp. As they, they would say, it was already part of my vocabulary in the Malach as a Jewish communal work and, and education. You know, the, uh, it would be in class in school, and if you've ever met the NCSY advisors, you know the amount they put into being NCSY advisors. You know, on Sundays, you, you'd have chapter meetings for your NCSYers every once in a while, a weekday event. And we would go out to Suffolk County, Patchogue, to Coram, these places in the middle uh, middle of the island. And we'd go and would uh, would have Shabbaton. And a lot of, and a lot of these kids uh, like me had had not gone to yeshiva. 
there was also a, a lot of driving out on the LIE, driving out to the, the middle of the island. And there lots of so lots of oven, lots of pizza, and the ch- chance to share a little bit. And that, and that formula worked, works till today. Ava, pizza, and Torah, and just go, going out there. And my college years were also spent as an NCSY activist, if you would. A lot of Shabbos would be Shabbatonim, or spend Shabbos at a different community where we'd make a Friday night oneg uh, for the kids. And I was very, very clearly, you know, seeing that this was going to be my life. In college, I thought I'd be an NCSY director. So you just used this phrase, this was going to be part of my life. So let's go into the post-college years, share some of the roles you've played, and also how does marriage enter into the picture and your future wife's background compared to yours and how you start to build a family together. So we have an expression called Derech Yisrael Saba. Derech Yisrael Saba means this is the, the old Jewish way. So the, the old NCSY way was how do you meet somebody? You, you meet somebody also working for NCSY and you end up you know, getting married. So that's what, that's what I did. My wife, Shira Dubin at the time, was running a free Hebrew high school out in Sayville, another one of those funny little uh, towns out, out there in, in Suffolk County and uh, out on Long Island. NCSY runs these programs called, uh, ran these programs called the Teen Torah Center. So she was directing the Teen Torah Center out in Sayville. I ran the, the chapter in Patchogue and a whole bunch of the public school kids who attended our chapter functions would then also come to this uh, Hebrew high school, the Teen Torah Center. So we started uh, going out there together. And then you have a, lot, uh, a long car ride, an hour, hour and 15, hour 20 there and back. So you meet. <laughs> <laughs> what was her background compared to yours? So she came from a modern Orthodox background. She went to Hafter, uh, the Hebrew Academy of Five Towns and Rockaways. Both her parents went to public school, and uh, she was the first generation of the Dubins to, to go to yeshiva. We both met doing the work, as it were. We, we met doing it, and we kept doing it, you know, spreading Yiddishkeit and love and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and we continued, and we continued to do that in, in lots of different in lots of different ways. We got married. I was working in my smicha at YU. She was in at the, the last semester of her time at uh, at Stern College, and uh, and we lived in Queens for the first year. Then we went to Israel to YU's Gris Kolel, and from there we got recruited by uh, Rabbi Brander, Rabbi Kenny Brander of Katsriel Brander uh, of Katsriel Brander who is now in Efrat, but then he, he was building his Judaic Fellows program, that is Kol and Bokraton. So we went down to Bokraton. I was teaching middle school. She was teaching elementary school. And then we became part of the community after you know, I graduated from the, the, the program and got my smicha, rabbinic ordination. I continued to teach there in the community for another five years. And then we got called up. One of my friends from, we, we were in Israel together, Rabbi Heller, Rabbi Avi Heller of uh, MJE, um, said, we're looking for somebody in Brooklyn. I think you might be the guy. Or you, the both of you might be the guys because it was uh, both of us were hired <laughs> by the OU. So we came to Brooklyn to be the, the OU's JLIC couple at Brooklyn College. Better part of 15 years, we spent creating community on a commuter campus. Same formula, pizza, love, Torah. Although sometimes it was kugel, sometimes it was soup. We varied the menu. And that's what we did. For, for, so for 15 years, we were we were there on campus day in, day out. You know, walking around, meeting people, giving classes, talking to the kids, having huge Shabbos meals with a with a chavra, and they really, you know, became a very big part of our family. All of our students and alumni, you know, to this day. So, 15 years of alumni, we already have students who who have children who are in grade school. 
And it sort of became a congregation without a building, a kilo without walls, as it were, because you know the, we, our point of connection was Brooklyn College, but the, the, the real fabric in our interaction was something much, much bigger than just Brooklyn College. By the way, that was a really good advertisement for NCSY, for our single listeners to say, you know what, get involved, give back to the Jewish people, and you also just might find the love of your life along the way, which seems to be what happened to you. That's one of the best ways. We find, you know, we tell our kids also that best ways, you know, you, you meet somebody who's dedicated to what you're doing and you're out of your comfort zone you're, and you're doing good things for, for people. You just did a really nice job laying out all these steps that you held along the way in your career. But in the introduction, when I talked about meeting you through a YU program that was going on in Fairlawn, that tells me there must have been one more step after what you were doing in Brooklyn that got you involved with YU. So I want to transition now to how you got into that role. And then I want to ask you some questions about those students that you had with you and how you're helping them in their own journeys. So after 15 years, you know, you do anything for 15 years already. It's a, you know, you have to look into, see where to grow in different directions and spread your wings a little bit more. So after 15 years, we said, okay, it's time to move on. It's time to try something a little new. So my, my wife is now teaching in one of the, the uh, Syrian Jewish day schools and is the director of alumni still for JLIC in Brooklyn. I uh, you know, had the, the great merit to return to my alma mater. And it's really just an unbelievable blessing to, to come full circle, to come back to Yeshiva University, you know, be a part of so many exciting things that are happening there. I answered a want ad, a rabbinic want ad. We have a special list for rabbis and jobs. And as it turns out, one, another full circle moment, one of the people who I had worked with in NCSY, who knew me already from there, Rabbi Green, who runs the uh, James Stryer School at Yeshiva University, was very excited to see my resume in the uh, digital pile, if you would. The official title is UTS Advisor. I like to say it's a Swiss Army knife of different jobs. Uh, I teach classes. I do administration. I lean into some of my counseling background and talk to the guys about life and how we can improve their Yeshiva University experience. I administrate and, uh, and I plan the extracurricular programming, again, drawing from my 15 plus years in the field. And uh, my Obeim are there, and I see them in the elevators, and it's always a thrill to end up sharing an elevator with Rav Schechter, to be there with Rav Willig, to be there with Simon, Rav Goldberg, all, all the Rosh Yeshiva that I remember from, from when I was a student, and it's great to, to be there with them. Uh, so that's a, it's a great treat. And so JSS is a program that where the students uh, you know, don't have a very, very large educational background. Lubavitcher Rebbe of Blessed Memory said, you know, don't tell them they don't have a background because their parents were Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov and their, their mother their mothers were Seraph Gorachal and Leah. So of course they have a background, but they, they don't have a lot of education. So we give classes. I give classes in two, for two different programs, the JSS students and IBC, which is uh, the Isaac Breuer College, teaching uh, people for, who have much more of a stronger educational background than teaching a class on halacha and psychology, Another one on uh, on the teachings of Rebbe Nachman. Next semester, we're learning about the Yesh Kodesh, the uh, Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. JSS, we're, we're talking about basics. We're starting from, from a beginner level, but teaching it to adults. Of course, one of the biggest experiences, of course, is Shabbos. You know, Shabbos is a, it's a center of all blessing, Kimakor Bracha. So to create experiences like that, fun Shabbos experiences, is that you tell somebody, 
It's not keeping Shabbos. What are you going to do? Well, you can't use your phone and you're not using your computer and uh, you're not watching movies or anything. And uh, it doesn't sound very, like a lot of fun at all. But you come to a Shabbaton, you see Shabbos, and you realize that it's uh, the, the way the way it's described is like nothing like you've ever experienced before. So you just mentioned the Shabbaton. And so I want to just touch on that for a moment, because you and I, as I mentioned, met at Rabbi Benjamin Yudin's house. There were 50-something young adults in his house experiencing Shabbos. I got to know them because I also spoke about my own journey with them. And a few of them came up to me after and told me a little bit about their own stories. So I got a sense that there were definitely people within that room who were interested in taking on more and growing. So I just wanted to know, what are some of the things these young adults are coming to you with as they think, maybe there is more to Judaism than what I've been doing? What, what are the questions? What are the challenges? What are the things they're dealing with as they think about maybe making this a bigger piece of their life? And how are you helping them navigate that? Also, always that one of the biggest ideas is growth is, is, is incremental. Growth in its most healthy sense is, is always incremental. There's a term in Jewish mysticism, and what we call the inner aspects of Torah, called shviras hakelim, breaking vessels. It's not like a, you know Gallagher breaking watermelons or whatever. It's when you have too much and you don't have the ability to contain, even too much good, you don't have the ability to contain. So a person tries to move too fast, in terms of their their growth and uh, adopting Jewish practice, it can be very very hazardous. So with some people, you know, they're they're working with, uh, wow, this is a lot. How could I do it? And, uh, and we always say to them you know, step by step. I don't know if I want to do all of this, so don't do all of this. Do something Jewish now. Where this is going to lead, uh, you, you don't know. But we say all the all the mitzvahs are connected. So you pull on the rope, it's going, to, it's going to yank you back. The best thing that we can do is give them the most, the largest amount of Jewish experiences that we can, the most meaningful, the most beautiful, and sometimes the most challenging that we can give them and have them experience it and have them enjoy it and say, look, you know, look how good. How does it work with everybody's situation that each person has their own specific life situation? And, that, and as a result, we have to, you have to listen very, very carefully all the time. And to see like what's going on, you know, to see what's going on in their life, and what's the best way the Torah can reach me in, in you know in each place. So we have lots of different types of teachers. We have lots of different approaches. Some people like to be incredibly cerebral. Some people like to be a little bit more mushy gushy. Some people like a blend. Uh, some people like to sing. Some people like to dance. And there's a place for everybody. And some some people like to do everything. So different points of contact. And so. As we wrap the interview, I want to ask you one last question. Clearly, from the way you've described your career, you've literally helped hundreds of people find their own path to a connection to Judaism. So what's next for you as you continue in your own growth? Um, thank God. I've, uh, I've been blessed to write several books. I'm uh, in the middle of writing one uh, right now. I'm taking the uh, Cook, Cook, who looms large, you know, looms large in my mind uh, quite, quite a bit. Used to get everyone together at Chalashita's time. No matter where he was in the world, and have a you know, have a as they would say a proper shalshutus with singing and uh, and divrei Torah. There were some people who wrote down these pearls, but even in in Hebrew, there it's hard to penetrate. So I'm I'm adapting them right now to an English idiom, and in a way to make it because it's these are some some beautiful ideas, but uh, but you know they need help. They need help to be uh, to be brought out. So that's one of the things that I'm working on right now. 
And let's give you a chance just to plug some of your other work. You mentioned that you've written other books. So if there's one or two you want to mention and where people can find them. Sure. Two books, the Pathways series. Uh, it's already cool. I can call it a series. Uh, the Pathways series are on the works of the Ishbitzers. The Ishbitz is a Hasidic school, which is filled with psychological depth. Freifeld, the Love of Shalom, used to say that the, the Ishbitzer was a, an avant-garde psychologist, is a nowadays psychologist. You know what he writes about and talks about, you know, person's challenges, a person's foibles, and the, really the, the depths of, of one's heart. So it's called Pathways to the Heart. Um, it's available from Kodesh Press, and it's a potpourri of different pieces of Ishbitz Torah on the Parsha. You can get it on the Kodesh Press website. The next one of the series is called Pathways to the Field. This was uh, son of the Ishbitz are a little, a lot less known. If you thought Ishbitz was, you know, what was whether Ishbitz is famous for you or not. In my mind, the Ishbitz is very famous. His son was not so famous. I guess even people who know about the Ishbitz are, they don't know about the son of Dov Shmuel Asher. Of Dov Shmuel Asher wrote a book called Naozdesha, the Pleasant Pastures. So I called it Pathways to the Field. It's translated into English. And here he has these great, great questions on the Parsha, which then he builds into an unbelievable insight in life and life and being a person and being a servant of Hashem. Great questions that, that a lot of times you say, wow, a good question in Judaism is, is not like a mind bending question. A good question in Judaism is the, the type of thing that, that it's so like on your nose that you should have, I should have thought, I should ask that question. That's a good question. That's also available from Pathways to the Field. I'm proud and privileged to say I, I sit among the, on their bookshelf. So thank you for sharing that. I just want to say, clearly you are someone who found your path in Judaism, but you didn't stop there because you have inspired so many throughout really a great career in so many different ways. So I just want to say, Rabbi Bashnak, thank you so much for joining me today on Saturday to Shabbos. My pleasure. Thank you. Saturday to Shabbos is produced by Gary Wallach. Our theme music is by Paul Uden. To learn more about us, please visit tachlismedia.com. That's T-A-C-H-L-I-S-Media.com. Tell us what you think about what you've heard, or suggest a story we should know about by emailing Shabbos at tachlismedia.com. I'm Jeff Cohen. Thanks for listening. Please check with us often for more stories of inspiring Jewish journeys. Saturday to Shabbos is a Tachlis Media podcast.